Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimbrellis. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show, we have someone who started as a chef before becoming one of Australia's first influencers, mainly in travel. Uh, that led to becoming a travel media consultant. This all changed, it looks like, in about 2020 with uh, COVID coming along, and she is now settled in one place. Uh, she's now a mother and a businesswoman. Lauren Bath, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I guess like, even though it's probably starting at the end, but that 2020 thing, the big, because it did seem like quite a shift for you. Was that something you did have on the cards anyway, or was that something you were forced (laughs) essentially? Well, interestingly, it was actually just a massive coincidence for me that I had chosen to have a child and I was due to give birth at literally the same time that it was declared, COVID was declared a pandemic. So I knew that my life was going to change in every single way, instantly, when I had that baby. And it literally did anyway because of COVID. So to me, not much really changed. And I guess I had the opportunity to think about this next chapter in my life and what it would look like to be traveling. At the time, I thought less, but as it turned out, not at all. (laughs) And yeah, for, for things to really change and for me to pivot in business and be doing something a little bit different. And yeah, it was, it's, it was almost like the pandemic didn't affect me at all. I was mildly inconvenienced by a couple of the the lockdowns, which we didn't get many in Queensland. But for all intents and purposes, not much really changed. It's only been this year that I've started to think about wanting to travel and go further afield and starting to really grieve my my life as it was and what I can't have at the moment. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, interesting, interesting time and <laughs> events. Yes, even with like, uh, even preparing for it still, it's still, you're feeling it now, I guess, more in the, it sounds like you were traveling constantly for like quite a few years, just nonstop for the influencing style. So uh, yeah, it's probably been a big loss for you, right? Well, I would say, you know, I was traveling full time for about seven years and I was doing over a hundred flights a year. I was traveling to all kinds of different countries. Like I was in Antarctica the year before this all started before travel stopped so yeah the the lifestyle change was absolutely phenomenal to go from 100 plus flights a year being hosted by some of the most amazing brands and tourism boards all around the world to be creating content for my audience and be like almost this celebrity online to like oh hello I'm a mum and I can't go anywhere like my entire industry is just burnt down yeah it was it was weird times yeah it's slightly weird yeah yeah (laughs) 
quite a big shift. Yes, that's that's true. Yeah, although I guess because you had planned it a little bit, you were like you had a kind of idea of what you were going because like yeah, it's. You, you do f- strike me as interesting straight away. And look, we should get to the book, but th- I'll do one quick thing before we go to the book because I d- am so interested. Um, like you, you, you have a much uh, like further along life cycle than most influencers, I guess, now these days. Um, you would have seen the industry change a huge amount from when you started. And we can go into a whole bunch of it, but the only one I would ask right now is like, yeah, you, you, you're, you've gone from travel to a uh, mom who's more stable in a business thing. So I guess, did you like... How did that work? Because you're like, oh, everyone watches me for the travel stuff. So am I going to like keep doing that? Am I going to get someone else involved to do it? Like what was that a thought process for you as part of that? Well, travel and photography. You know, I'm also a photographer and I haven't picked up my camera, you know, apart from the odd time, uh, basically since all of this started. So, yeah, the the vast majority of my audience follow me because they love my travel stories and they love my photography and my photography tips. And I'm not doing any of that at the moment. So I've certainly lost a lot of followers but I'm okay with that. I mean, I I really, unlike a lot of influencers, I'm not obsessed over the numbers. I would rather have people in my community that just really are interested in and resonate with what I do and and my journey. And it's almost like the right people come along for where I'm at in my journey and the people that aren't interested in that thing fall off at the right time as well. So I I haven't been showing up much on social media uh, this year and and in fact last year as well has has been wild in business like absolutely unprecedented like crazy shit that we're doing in business and social media has fallen by the wayside it's the thing that I'm least I least have time for which is ironic because it's the very thing that put me where I am today so it's it is a big part of my focus moving forward to start showing up more on socials again uh, I don't really know what that looks like yet you know I'm still a photographer that's that's you know a passion and and something that lives in your heart and creativity is a part of who I am. Um, but I'm also a managing director. Like I'm a businesswoman. I'm a mother. I've got all of these other hats now. So yeah, it's, it's a focus for me to get back to it. I love community for me is it's more about community than it is what I share. And if you looked at any of my earlier articles or the way I used to show up online or what I'm you know really known for, I didn't give a fuck about photography. I just wanted to make better pictures so I could have more friends on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, for, for me, it's always been the people. That's always been at the heart of why why I show up on Instagram. And that hasn't changed. It's just that I don't really have the content to go along with these relationships because there's been so many changes in my life in such a short period of time. Yeah, and you, do, and you don't want to fake it. So you're more letting it, yeah. And look, and, and to be honest as well, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I'm not as obsessed with numbers as others when you've got like 400,000 followers. <laughs> I, that, <laughs> I, have the, I have the luxury. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, you know, it's like, whatever. It's like, yeah, Lou, what's 10,000 here and there to lose? That's nothing. I don't even notice that. <laughs> well, do you know, I peaked, I actually peaked at 466,000 followers. And that was just after I was on 60 Minutes, which was like a huge career accomplishment. And I'm now on, I think, 392. So the more I post, the more followers I lose because people are like, oh, I forgot that I followed her. This doesn't interest me anymore. Unfollow. So it's actually working to my advantage to be showing up a little bit less. But yeah, you know, it is a significant number. But also, like, will these people end up in my sphere and end up being impacted by what I teach now? Probably not. So maybe it's not the right place for them. I don't take any of that personally. Yeah. Okay. And um, I guess from there, that's probably a good way to segue into the, your book of choice. And then we can jump around from there because there's a lot more. And if, and I'm very interested in the book of choice with social media. But anyways, um, so <laughs> yes, as you can imagine. Uh, so your book of choice for today is? The Untethered Soul, Michael yes, Singer. 
<laughs> yeah, Michael uh, Michael Singer, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and that is essentially. Uh, I'm going to butcher this totally, so you can probably correct me. But uh, essentially, it is about how to live a life um, like free from uh, the attachments that can drag us down and be negative in our experiences. Is that kind of? Yeah, that's very, kind of it. Very light sum, obviously. A very, <laughs> very, very light summary. And yeah, no, that's you've read the book. <laughs> summary. The end. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it, it seems I've heard of it. Like I mentioned when you, you said you were going to read uh, several times, it's like one of the big. Uh, self-help books get a lot of uh, different reactions when you say it. So I think maybe a, it's it, approach that word carefully, but it is one of the biggest self-help books out there about how to like uh, frame your attitudes and perceptions to kind of uh, live a life that's not negative, I suppose. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, first off, did you read that recently? Was that something you read ages ago? Uh, pretty recently. And it's funny when you asked me to choose one book, I did really struggle with that. And I, I love to read. I've been an avid reader since I was really small and I've, I often read for pleasure. You know, I, I like to sink my teeth into fiction and I love Stephen King. I read my first Stephen King when I was 13 and, you know, I read business books, of course, like it's, it's development for the, for the job and the role that I'm in and what I do and what I teach. But The Untethered Soul, I think the reason why I chose it is because unlike other books where I'm just kind of so keen to get to the end and have that book finished and read the next book. The Untethered Soul is something I like diving into and I actually haven't finished reading it. I read it very, very slowly, chapter by chapter, sometimes half a chapter at a time. And I've literally in my entire life never approached a book like that. But I feel like when I have the headspace to pick it up and dive into something and and really have it land for me, that's when the book is most impactful for me, not when I'm smashing through it like I generally do with other books. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite a ways through. I know a lot of what the book is about. And I guess what appealed to me about it is that I myself have been on quite a mindfulness journey for the last several years, uh, which I guess, in fact, I know that a lot of people through COVID have been going through a similar experience because COVID has created so much uncertainty in our lives. And of course, as humans, we crave certainty. Our brains crave like certainty to know that we're safe and we can survive. And there's not a saber toothed tiger over there willing to pounce and get us. And I don't know, like there were, there were all of these themes through that journey for me around self-awareness and mindfulness and slowing the thoughts and you are not your thoughts. And I think the untethered soul deals with those topics in a way that it's quite it's quite beautifully written and it lands really nicely. And for me, I generally pick it up when I'm in a bad place, you know, when I'm about to have a realization or a breakthrough or I'm struggling to understand something and that's when it helps me the most. Right. And um, yeah, so so is it something which is a, does it provide actual like specific tools like do this in the morning or do this in the afternoon or is it more uh, like giving a picture of that whole system and that uh, like idea? Is that kind of like, which way does it kind of go? Yeah, I'd say that you can take tools from it. But it's not, that's not how I interpret it. I tend to like the, the analogies really resonate for me. And I don't know, like just certain, certain phrases in the book just help me for where I'm at in my journey. Like one of the first things that you read about in the book is, you know, you are not your thoughts, you're the awareness of your thoughts. And for me, I'm, I'm quite a busy person. I'm quite high achieving. My thoughts are racing all the time. You know, I'm obviously balancing business and family and baby and it's hectic and, when my mind won't just shut the fuck up, like even just that one line, like you are not your thoughts, you're the awareness of your thoughts. It just, it gives you this, this level of, 
it gives you this distance. You know, you, you understand that you are behind the thoughts. And the second you have that realization and that self-awareness, it does slow everything down. So I guess like that is a practice for me. Maybe that's not how it was intended when the book was written, but I think there's, there's so much to get from it. So just, yeah, every, every time I pick it up to read, even if I read two or three pages, I'm like taking pictures and like circling lines. And it's, for me, it would be so wasted if I just read it like I read a lot of other books because, yeah, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other, especially with fiction. Like ask me about the last fiction book I read and I probably couldn't even tell you the main character's name. Look, I, uh, I, I'm not even, uh, I know uh, that's a lot. I think that's an issue I have. I always try. That's why I'm always very conscious whenever I finish a book. I'm like, okay, now try to remember it. <laughs> um, do you, do you meditate, I guess, as part of this? <laughs> I, I have not been meditating. No, but I know that I'm like all of us. I know that I should be meditating. Um, no, I'm not meditating at the moment, but it's a great practice. And yeah, obviously one of the best tools to help slow your thoughts, not reading a book about your thoughts, but actually slowing them yourself through meditation. Yeah, but you know, uh, I'm sure it's very easy to meditate with a newborn. <laughs> oh, well, she's a toddler now, so that's even better. Oh, right, okay. so she, can, she can actually walk to you. Yeah, yeah, that's much, uh, that's much easier. It, it's actually funny. My my husband and I and, and our daughter have just moved out. We lived at my mum at my mum's house, her two bedroom apartment, for the last ten years. So it was actually impossible to meditate there. Like I shared a bedroom with my husband and our daughter. We co-slept. The lounge room was my parents' domain. They had their own room. My office was in the lounge room. So I did not have a single area of that house where it was actually my space. And we've literally moved two weeks ago. And I'm really looking forward to starting to develop and or re-pick up some habits that I've dropped by the wayside like meditation now that I have my own space. Yeah, I can't believe you. Like, that's 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 a that's an effort. Is that just because like you were moving around so much, traveling, and that it just was no point before? Well, I was going to say, don't forget, a hundred plus flights a year. Like, I was traveling three weeks out of the month. I don't know yeah. how my husband put up with. It. Well, he was at my boyfriend at the time, but yeah, we we moved in because we we just needed to save a little bit of money. We asked to move in for six months, and during that six months, my mom came to Zimbabwe with us. My husband's Zimbabwean, and after that, that she just fell in love with my partner and said, you know, you're welcome to stay and live with us. And yeah, somehow that six months turned into 10 years. And like I said, for most of it, I wasn't even there. I was just in and out and like awesome having mum there to help with the washing when I came in from a trip and needed to turn my suitcase around in 24 hours. But then I had a child and we wanted to make it work, but it was too small and yeah, yeah. The, the choice had to be made. So here we are. Yeah, look, I think both of those things are very, like as someone with my comedy, I would be traveling a lot. I know it was very easy to not leave, to just, have the home th- base because like, yeah, why, why spend that money? You can just spend that on something else or save it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're not there half the time, it just feels very wasteful. Although to be fair, I, uh, now that I'm very comfortable on my own, I don't think I'd be going back. So <laughs> yes, us either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are some downsides. Um, these, uh, so with this, your choice of book is interesting to me because, like you said yourself, you've been on this journey for a few years, uh, like trying to look at this, your not your own thoughts and stuff. So, was that something when you say the last few years? Do you mean like the last three years? You're saying the last like fifteen years? Like what kind of time frame? Because I'm just wondering how much your experience. Because to be honest, again, social media and all that stuff can be the kind of thing where you can get sucked into it and then you really need this kind of activity. So I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how far along or whether it was there the whole time. 
Yeah, I would say late 2018, to be exact. Late 2018, I had a bit of an awakening and I realized that my lifestyle wasn't sustainable and I wasn't happy. Best job in the world. And yeah, I just, I would get to the end of every year and just be so burnt out, so on the verge of a breakdown, just an absolute mess. I was a people pleaser. I was a yes person. I was a person that replied emails within 45 minutes of receiving them. Like my clients loved me. (laughs) I was a person that would meet some stranger who messaged me on Instagram because they wanted to catch a coffee and pick my brain. And I would say yes to everything and at the expense of my own mental health. (laughs) And yeah, I, I really just reached this pinnacle of I can't continue like this. And that started my journey, which yeah, for anyone that's been down that path, will know it's quite a quite a painful journey to go on. But yeah, it's 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 good to have the support of literature like the Untethered Soul to to give you tools or resources or analogies or examples of how you can do better and and separate yourself from your thoughts and your patterns. And yeah, it's it's been quite a an impactful book on me, although not obviously the only one I've read in that space. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a so I guess. Uh... It's interesting that that is quite late, I guess, in some ways, though, as well as you're saying that you came there. Like 2018, you were already done, from my understanding, about seven years at that point of pretty hard, aggressive travel, like as in traveling all around the world. I'm really like, was there, I guess this is one of the interesting things because your career is so new in terms of the world as an influence, (laughs) a travel influencer. Like, what is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like most industries have set like places where you can like, have mental health checks and you can do things as HR, but your one is, it's very different. So yeah, I guess I'm surprised that it took that long. Were you like introduced to those ideas earlier and just kind of, did, you didn't need it then or like you just didn't even look in that direction? You didn't feel like? No, I was completely unconscious. Like I was just, yeah, it was, I was operating from a place of scarcity and there's not enough. So I have to say yes to everything. And to be clear, like I loved the travel. And in fact, I would say that all of those years of travel and all of the different experiences that I was exposed to probably contributed to me even knowing that there was a better way to live. You know, the the travel is transformative for a lot of people. And you would know, you're a traveler. Like just being exposed to people that have a different opinion, different beliefs, a different way of life and seeing that just because they're different to you, it doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right. You know, travel opened my eyes to a lot of different things, which I think gave me enough drops in the bucket to be ready for my own mindfulness journey or healing journey, whatever you want to call it. Um, And in particular, I had really incredible experiences in Zimbabwe when I started to think about, like, what is my purpose? You know, I started out with the purpose of I just want to get paid to travel. Like, how cool is that? To like, oh, actually, travel is really changing me and, and who I am as a person. And I want other people to have that experience. And for them to me, for me to be exposed to things like conservation and human wildlife conflict and the the problems with low socioeconomic countries and economies and yeah, there, there became a whole bunch of new things that I wanted to to try and and I I wanted to make more impact and and do more and do better and yeah that that was my favorite part of my job the actual travel and having those moments and and photographing them and sharing that it was the everything else you know I said yes to everything and. There just there wasn't space in my day for it. You know, I would travel and I'd be home for two or three days and I'd have to write reports and tie off jobs and answer. You know, I was getting hundreds of emails a week sometimes and, you know, I was running influencer campaigns and doing public speaking and consultancy and all of these other things. So the, the travel part was only a small part. You know, the, the thing that people saw on Instagram was only a small part of what my life actually looked like. So there was never, you know, 
I never had to lie or pretend that I liked something because the travel was the best part. But outside of the travel, my personal life was crumbling. Like I'm, I'm surprised that I still had a relationship at the end of it all. I never saw my partner. I had zero relationship with friends and family, no real deep connection or, or meaningful connection with anyone in my life. And yeah, it wasn't until I, I started that journey that, that those pillars started to take shape and, and yeah. become a lot more improved. <laughs> That, that's really good to hear. I guess um, so because you mentioned it now, and I think uh, a lot of people might be interested in it because again, it's such a, it's so hot right now, social media and like the marketing thing and all that. And uh, again, like I said at the start, you've been there from the start. So I guess uh, two directions I want to go with this. The first is a more nuts and bolts technical question, but like I noticed, <laughs> yeah, like as in what, like. How do you measure? I, I, know, I actually looked you up and seeing like the packages you used to offer with your travel stuff and like how many social media posts you do on an experience and like uh, how you'd get the, the client to realize your help, I guess. So, is there like some detail? Like, what's the pitch there, I guess, if you want to give that quickly to people? Is there any numbers you want to throw out? Like, just so people can understand exactly what's involved. Because basically, it is you with your many followers on Instagram going somewhere and taking photos of it so then they will want to go right? That's kind of yeah. the basis. So yeah, what, what, like, how would you pitch it to prospective people and who would you pitch it to? I guess that's the question. <laughs> Good question. And I have to say, like, I had massive balls when I first started this work. Like I actually look back at some of the earlier emails or pictures that I sent and I'm like, holy shit, like, who was I? I had no idea what I was talking about, but I sounded amazing. Um, look, I, so the title that I was given was Australia's first professional Instagrammer. Um, I was given that title by news.com.au. They did a piece on me when I was working for Top Deck Travel uh, quite early on in my career, I think the first year, maybe 2013, 2012. And basically how it started is that this wasn't an industry at all, like going out and Instagramming a destination. It didn't exist. And, of course, people were starting to do it, I guess, overseas. But I, I saw value in it. And at first I didn't know how to articulate that value, but I was very open about that. Uh, one of the really amazing things that happened to me is that Tourism Australia were prolific Instagram users and their head of social at the time, Jesse, he kind of took me under his wing and kind of mentored me and he was going around Australia and doing keynotes and talking about the importance of social media and user-generated content and he would use me as an example when he was talking to tourism boards about how you can tap into other people's content and it doesn't cost you anything and it's like this mutual relationship. And because I was kind of known, I guess, in that regard, when I started randomly, like literally randomly emailing tourism boards and saying, will you pay me to come and take photos and put them on Instagram? Most of them kind of had an idea of who I was and they were willing to have the conversation. From there, I know, right? Like what the fuck, who was I? <laughs> and I guess from there, the fact that I was a little bit older, you know, I was in my early 30s, um, nearly mid 30s when I got into this. I, I wasn't flaky. I was honest. I was authentic. You know, I would rock up to meetings in jeans and flip-flops. <laughs> like people liked me. They, they, they found it refreshing. And the fact that at the start, like people would want to get me into region, but as a journalist, you know, journalists would, this has been a tourism thing for years and years and years. Journalists would come in and do a familiarization tour, a famil it's called. And all of their travel would be covered by the tourism board. They'd go away and they'd pitch stories and, and write for different publications and get paid that way. And obviously I wasn't writing for anyone. I was putting my, my images and my stories on social and I wasn't getting paid for that. 
So I would just literally sit down with the prospective client and say, like, I, this is my job. I don't have another job. Like, I have to charge you something. And at first I was like, I just have to charge you something. Like, how much have you got? <laughs> Give me a number. I'll work for anything. Yeah. And my first handful of jobs, it was $1,000 flat. Could be a two-day job. It could be a seven or nine-day job. Didn't matter. I needed a thousand dollars because I didn't have a job. And through that, and through having really good conversations with my clients, like what was the value of this? Like what bits did you like, and what could I include more of? And was it enough posts? Like through that, I started to develop my service offerings. And right back in the beginning, it was four Instagram posts a day. This is back when the the explore page was called the popular page and, you know, photos would last about three or four hours. That was their shelf life. And so, yeah, you'd want to get a picture up at least every three or four hours and four posts a day was like epic, but yeah, busy obviously as a, as a photographer and a creative. And yeah, I just, I, I kind of took it from there. And, and over the years through that feedback, I got clearer on what I was offering and what the benefits were for the client and what else they could get from it. I, I started educating and running workshops for my clients as a bit of a value add. I would always do a call to action for people to follow my clients so they'd get followers from it. I'd always provide content uh, for social media usage plus like good image rates if they wanted to purchase, which was another incentive to hire me because it's cheaper than a commercial photographer and you get the images. And then I'd give like really good statistics on the reach and and the people that were engaging with the content. So unlike a lot of marketing efforts where it's it's easier to prove, you know, how many people actually booked the thing, social doesn't work like that. Social media's dreaming phase. Social's like putting the the idea in people's head. They might not book for another 5 years, but they'll never forget the way they felt when they saw that picture of a penguin in Antarctica. So it has like this this long-running effect and I'm just really really good at articulating that and instilling confidence for my clients to hand over their money. <laughs> I used to be back when that was my gig. Yeah. I know everyone listening wants to hire me now. <laughs> yeah, well, like, so straight away, that's like, it's interesting because you're, I mean, I mean, you, like you said, as Australia's first influencer, you've been seeing the rise of the influencer, which is almost the decade of the influencer. <laughs> um, so, and like, and you actually mentioned yourself, you were a bit older than most who would come in and they're, like, I'm not going to say this in a disparaging way because I think a lot of people can dismiss influencing as being really easy, but I think it's a lot of work even for the people who, like, oh, it's just girls on beaches. It's like that is, gotta, <laughs> it's such a drain. Could you be bothered doing that? I couldn't be bothered doing that. Like, that's a lot of work. So yeah. I think people sometimes can just dismiss it out of hand. It's like, oh, you're not behind a computer typing and looking at numbers. It's not work. Um, so I, uh, I guess, what was your view towards them? Or was there like, was there a very, you barely interacted with that side of things, like that younger, different sort of modeling thing? Or was it just two different worlds? And because this industry is very segmented, you don't even interact. Like, how does that work? Like, is that something you knew about? No, I would say I actually mentored a lot of influencers coming up through the ladder and certainly people a lot younger than me. Uh, there's a lot of influencers working in Australia with very successful careers who got their first break through working on one of my campaigns. I, I always came in it from a place of this is a new industry and the more people there are out there doing good work, the more demand there is for this service. And the more people out there just being total cowboys, like ghosting on clients and not doing their deliverables or not providing value. Like, of course, if they burn a client, the client is not going to want to work with influencers again, including me. So I've always been really generous in my approach. And like I said, helped a lot of people, lots of up and comers, certainly more in the travel space. Um, I have worked with a couple of lifestyle influencers over the years who have a following that's probably that lends itself well to travel. But for the most part, you know, somebody who's 
a bikini influencer and they're, they're talking about clothes and fashion and bikinis probably won't have a lot of followers that are serious travelers who are going to take travel advice from that influencer. It's just, it's, it's a bit of a different world, but yeah, certainly in the travel space, I have worked with a lot of younger influencers and, and helped them to understand that you do have to do a professional job. Like, yeah, it's, it's great to have the reach and however many hundreds of thousands of followers you've got and likes and comments and that shit's all awesome. But if the client doesn't like you or if you make their life difficult by not replying to emails or like getting your public liability insurance or all of that like annoying, boring corporate admin. style shit, yeah, that they're admin that like a lot of the younger influencers don't want to do, but that's the stuff that makes the clients want to work with you. Like yeah. if I could straight up be like, oh, here's a here's a contract or an agreement that I've already got prepared and here's what I include and this is my pricing and this is the the KPIs that you can anticipate and and also, you know, I'm gonna I've got public liability insurance and travel insurance and that stuff's all sorted and here's my frequent flyer number and they just don't have to chase me. Like, yeah, they're gonna want to work with me because they're just people sitting in a nine to five job who they probably don't love it. They've probably got passions outside of that. And they've just got, you know, they've got a bottom line that they need to to get to for their boss and make it easy for them. So, yeah, I, I love the younger guys. Lots of friends in the space. <laughs> nice. Um, I, and I guess uh, on that note, I guess as well, talking about it, uh, the and uh, look, I, I'm sure you want to be nice as you discuss this, but obviously you were there uh which by like luck doesn't mean you didn't work hard the whole time. But when you were there at the start, it was a very, very uh, open space, I would say. But now, arguably, this kind of space is extremely saturated. Every man and his dog is basically an influencer or attempted influencer <laughs> these days. Um, it, and on top of that as well, and I think this one, which I've noticed and I've had because I've got in performing, I've got a lot of friends who are in the sphere. Uh, the actual algorithms and things have become cruel and expensive and just nowhere near on your side as they once were. So I guess, would you look at the space now and be like, it's the same sort of thing? Or would you be like, now it's actually probably too hard for a lot of people or like, how has it changed? And do you think it's like, I would, it's definitely gotten harder, I would assume because it's more competitive now, but like how much has it changed, I guess? And do you have an opinion on that? Uh, It has changed a lot. I don't think it's harder. I think it's easier. And I say that because the, 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 the commodity that every single brand in the world needs now is human eyeballs. So even as a micro or a niche or a very, very small influencer, your the, the eyeballs that you have on what you're doing and what you're sharing has value to a brand. So for me, you know, the, the approach that I take now is getting really clear on, I know this sounds like a bit of a bit of a big picture topic, but getting really clear on who you are in the world. And that changes over time, you know, as you grow and evolve, you, you learn more and you do more. Who you want to help, you know, influencing or showing up online or doing anything, it's all about service. If you're like, look at me, this is my breakfast and isn't my dog cute and fucking I'm doing this cool thing and I'm on holidays and of course, like if you're a cool girl or an it girl or somebody that everyone wants to follow, a bit of a celebrity, like that'll work for a little while, but people get tired of it. It's very one-dimensional. At the end of the day, like your socials should be about providing value to the person watching your socials and depending on what you your niches, who you are, what you're about. It might be comedy. You might be entertaining people and making them laugh. Like I follow a lot of comedic accounts on Instagram. I love laughing. You know, it might be that you're into food and you want to share recipes and that gives value to your audience. It's all about what value you can give to people and how you can serve people with your content because that will keep them coming back for more. And when you've got the right amount of followers for whatever brand it is that you want to work with, 
it's just a matter of having the conversation and pitching. And of course, like it's good to have sales skills and to have some kind of professional like level of conduct and all of that stuff is learnable. But yeah, I, I would say there's a lot of very average influencers who are doing exceptional work and, and getting exceptional opportunities because they're the ones that have the balls to go out there and make the ask. And when I first started influencing, I copped a hell of a lot of hate from photographers in Australia and even around the world. Like, why is this tourism board hiring this person? She's not even a good photographer, which I wasn't back then. Like, to be honest, like I was pretty average back then. You get better over time. And the reason was because I fucking asked for it. I put myself out there. I asked for it. I proved my value and I made the clients like me through just being personable and authentic and professional. And it's actually not that hard. Every single brand out there is looking for the right opportunities to get eyeballs on their content. Right. Okay. That's uh, good for people to hear, I guess. Uh, the, uh, uh... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so this is, this is I was hoping that, I was interested because I wanted to tie this in with the book a little bit because uh, and yeah maybe yeah the fact the hyper focus now and the fact that there's a lot of tools you can use obviously now compared to 10 years ago to actually help you with your campaigns and marketing and stuff as an individual uh, but it does feel a lot of time like you know now it's like before it was two posts a day now it's like you got to be on videos constantly you got to be doing this every day and you got to do more and more so it feels like more and more oh you got to be if you're not talking to everyone in your feed then you're not not getting any attention like that kind of thing feels like maybe that's an element now like if you got to be on there more is that kind of some people would say and this ties into actually the wider question about social media so and this is why I'm tying it to the book and I'm interested to get your thoughts and this is this is me pushing a little bit but you know you can tell me if I'm going I'm off here like obviously social media is the kind of thing which is the opposite of something like the untethered soul I would say yeah. in many ways like as in it prop it promotes ideas of like like being hyper thinking about stuff overthinking stressing being focused on appearance and all that stuff and how that looks and what other people think and all this thing how do you and I know it's new because you went 2018 is when you start on this journey but how do you how do you do that? How do you look at both those and how do you square that circle, I guess, in many ways? Because obviously you're working in industry, which, and I know it's, 
I'm not making it a monolith. I know there's many features in it, but you know what I mean when I'm saying that? Like, as in those two things, uh, as much as people are like, oh, but I'm teaching wellness, but it's like you're teaching on a thing that promotes addiction to not <laughs> being present, essentially. So, like, how do you approach that, I guess, and what's your views on that? Oh, I have many things to say to this. I mean, I guess, like, social social media is a, it's just a vehicle. It's a vehicle for impact. And it was interesting to hear you saying things like, you know, it's, it promotes addiction and it's hard these days and the algorithm doesn't work in our favour. And all of those things are just beliefs. They're beliefs that you hold. And they're not necessarily true. And books like The Untethered Soul explore this possibility that humans have untapped potential and abundance and they are the creators. And I have literally seen people who are against all odds have gone from nothing to being incredible influences or celebrities or, you know, successes in business. And a lot of that comes down to your belief and mindset, like literally self-awareness and awareness of thoughts and awareness of your patterns. All of that stuff is the secret to success in life and business. So anything that you think you believe about social media, fucking forget it. Social media is a vehicle to share your word and to be of service to people. And is there bad stuff about it? Absolutely. It's addictive. It can be toxic. It can cause people to have mental health issues. But can it also be incredible and amazing and inspiring and change people's lives for the better? Fucking oath it can. Like social media has changed me and so it's given me a brand new career. Like a couple of different careers, the influencer stuff and the business coaching that I do now, like the, the good outweighs the bad. It just depends on how you use it. And if you're using social media to show up and spread positivity and be the change that you want to see in the world, then of course, like it's going to have amazing results for you and the people fortunate enough to follow and, and receive your message. Hmm. Okay. Like that's, yeah, it's interesting. Cause like, I, I guess, you know, every, every other week there's a news article about like, obviously the negative impacts of social media, which I think I agree can sometimes drown. Everyone forgets that like, it is still a fun service and everyone's on it constantly and there are good sides to it. And sometimes it can swing just, you know, there's some negative sides, but I guess, do you have any, uh, as I don't know, are you like someone who can comment on that stuff? Do you try to help out? Is there avenues you offer to people to try to combat these negative things? Because obviously that can be pretty severe, especially in younger people and all that stuff. Is that a thing you're involved in at all? Oh, well, I certainly share a lot about mindfulness in my stories. I'm, I share very personally online when I say social media is what you make of it, like it is actually your personal responsibility to do the work that you need to do on yourself to get the most out of life. And that includes social media. And, you know, of course we wish that the corporates would take some more responsibility in that area. And I think, you know, even for me, Instagram taking away the like view, I really like that. I still don't like to know how many, like that actually changed. That was a big shift for me, not being able to see my likes and, and always be comparing to what, other people are getting or I'm getting. Um, certainly in the past, I've had a lot of negative experiences on social media. I would be highly triggered. I would see other people's posts and think that, you know, their life or, or the work that they were doing was better than, than mine or what I was doing. I've, I've done the whole gauntlet of everything. And through my mindfulness journey, which I have gone through with the help of books like The Untethered Soul, I now accept full responsibility to my reactions to everything in life and how I show up in life. And I choose to use social media in a way that, that adds to my life and doesn't take away from my life. And I unfollow accounts that don't inspire me. I, I choose to consume the things that add value to my life. I, I don't compare myself to other people. Or if I do, I reframe that comparison to, oh, like here's the universe giving me a sign of this thing that I, I must really want. You know, there's, there's 
yeah, there's so much personal responsibility around it. Uh, agree for people that are young and impressionable and who haven't done any of this sort of work or, in fact, knows that it exists. Yes, I, I do believe that the, the corporates have some social responsibility to do things that, that make it easier for young people to navigate this space. Um, but I think that's everybody's responsibility. And if I can share, like for me, that that journey of mindfulness or consciousness, for me to be able to share that on social media and reach people and suck them into my sphere and, and for me to be able to teach them and, and have more impact on them on a one-on-one level, like that's where I can make very significant change in people's lives and the way that they show up and the way that they succeed and literally down to their quality of life and how much money they have and how much joy and ease and play they have in their life. Like that's fucking worth it. If I can change people's lives and they all come to me through social media. Hmm. No, like I, 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 yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I hope I'm not coming across too negative with that stuff. Cause like, no, not at all. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a, cause that's the thing. It's very easy to, yeah. To, for, like I don't, th- I think it's important to acknowledge the negatives as, alongside obviously the very helpful things it can do. And I also think your sphere of travel is probably one of the more actual healthy, positive sort of, <laughs> like in some ways, like if it's, if you're taking just beautiful photos of exotic places, that's not as much look at me doing this. It's just look how awesome this thing is. So. Yeah, but I mean, I, I used to hate posting pictures of myself and that whole like, look at me, this is all about me. I, I found it very ego based, but now I actually think there's real beauty in self-love and acceptance. And yeah, I, I have no qualms in showing up online and like makeup free, as you can see, I, <laughs> I am who I am. And yeah, just my content resonates no matter what I look like. And yeah, I, I accept myself and I, I hope that other people in that space, maybe doing the bikini work, also accept themselves. I, I do know I hear a lot of stories about influencers that look super happy online and they just like hate themselves and complain about their body and their work. And yeah, that I find that really sad. And And I think that it's that person's responsibility to go and get help around the things that they struggle with. Hmm. Yeah, I think and like like yeah, just and also maybe cultivating the different spaces because as you said with the bikini ones, I feel like that is just designed to make you self conscious when you're in that sphere, like versus yeah, in certain other spheres where it's more just a passion. <laughs> like if your passion is yourself, you're gonna probably be a bit too self conscious, you know. So like nothing wrong with showing up and yeah, expressing yourself, but if the actual passion is me, then it's like yeah, you might. Yeah, it's it's probably the opposite of the uh, untethered soul in some senses. I actually just realized we might have uh, not done enough detail there. Like, was there any other ones from the untethered soul as well? Like, obviously, yes, the you are not yourself, which is like standing outside. It was a very Buddhist attitude. Um, the, but I was looking at it. It was talking about, is it about finding happiness or is it about just finding separation, I guess, if like as in from yourself in a way? Yeah, I, I mean... <sighs> One of the themes that really speaks to me in the untethered soul is probably healing, you know, not not avoiding the things that have hurt us in the past. I know the, the author goes into a really detailed analogy about having a thorn in your arm and, you know, if and that, that thorn's like some kind of a past hurt, right, you know, something that's hurt you and you haven't been able to let it go. And people go in through life with this thorn in their arm and they don't want anyone to touch it because every time it's touched, it's like agony. And then they like build this contraption to go around it. And it's it's a really cool section, actually. Like for me, when you avoid looking at any past pain that you've experienced, whether as a child or throughout your life, it doesn't go away. It is like the thorn in your side or in your arm. I forget if it was side or arm. Um, and and the work, honestly, is to is to explore those things. And I guess the reason that resonates with me is I, I attended a, an event in late 2018, one of the first things that started me along this journey. 
And the, the facilitator talked about this idea of being triggerless. And triggerless is like, you know, not being emotionally reactive to outside stimulus. Again, it's like another version of personal responsibility. Like I can't control what you say to me. I can only control how I react to it. And at the time I was so fucking triggered by everything. Like I would get an email from a client, you know, passing me over for a job or like offering me less money. And I would just be, oh, outraged. Like that would just give me all of these feelings of like, they don't think I'm smart enough or I'm not worthy or like, oh, these horrible, I didn't even, I didn't even know what they were. I just knew that I was pissed. And so when this concept of being triggerless came up for me, that to me felt like the dream. Like, oh my God, if I could go through life and just not have these big highs and these big lows and just like be more in the center and not be so emotionally reactive and not understanding my feelings and my experiences, like that would be heaven to me. And the untethered soul explores that to an extent, like the the fact that you can't move forward until you have worked through that stuff, until you have like let it go. And it's funny, the the same author, Michael Singer, wrote a book called The Surrender Experiment, which I also loved. And I have finished that one. I smashed that one. Um, and the, the Surrender Experiment. Yeah, nailed that one. <laughs> nailed, nailed that one. Yeah. Um, I, I actually want to get, I don't have any tattoos, but I'd love to at some point in my life get the tattoo Surrender. Because as humans, we try to control everything around us. You know, we're, we're pre-planning what's happening next and the next outing that I have and the next thing. And we're never in the moment. We're never in the present. And books like The Untethered Soul are all about being in the present, like letting the past go, not thinking too much about the future, just being in the now. And for me, when I feel present, as I often did when I was traveling, actually, that's one of the things I loved about traveling. Like for me, presence is the greatest feeling in the world. When I can just be present with my daughter and not be thinking about that email I have to send or this thing that somebody said to me or that I've got to cook dinner, if I can just be in that fucking moment right there, that's that's the best feeling of all. So, yeah, the, the idea of letting go of past hurts and surrendering to, surrendering to life, you know, looking around us, the surrender experiment talks a lot, and I know that's not the book we're talking no, no, about, talk about, but it, 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 talks a lot, it, it talks a lot about the synchronicity of nature, you know, the fact that you look around the world and everything just fucking works except humans. We're just blundering about like <laughs> try, trying to fucking control the, the literal universe where bees can fly even though it's physically impossible. Yeah, it's, and it's funny. And the more you, the more you learn about our brain and the way that our brain works and how it sabotages us and how it hasn't evolved as fast as society has evolved, there's like very real, tangible reasons why we are this way. And literally, the the practice is to surrender, to heal, to let go. And yeah, I, I enjoyed the analogy that was presented in the Untethered Soul around that. Like that really resonated with me. And I think you know that's another thing that I like about the book. It's just the the, the analogies. If you're an analogy person, (laughs) I know some people are very literal and don't like them, Um, but it helps you to understand. It helps these these concepts and principles actually just land. And even if you read other books or you've heard the concept before or you've tried applying it to your life, like, yeah, hearing it framed in a different way and having it actually land and be like, oh, fuck, yeah, like a thorn. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like I don't want that stuff to hurt me anymore. And the work is to, to deal with it, like not to avoid it. Yeah. No, look, I, uh, yeah, it's funny you saying that about the very literal people. Uh, it sounds like you've got some experience of that personally. I, I have as well. It's just, I think, yes, it's weird because those people actually almost make it a, a point of pride to re- avoid analogies because like, they just can't do it. And you're like, well, that's just because you can't do it. Like, they're like, stop using this metaphor. It's like, that's 
literally how we see the whole world. We can't see the world <laughs> apart from in analogies and metaphor, essentially. So we're, we're storytellers. Just, yeah, Humans yeah. are storytellers in our heart and soul. Yeah, I feel like anyone who says like they don't get or they, analogies are bad is just showing the fact that they don't want any new information. <laughs> like only mine. I can, <laughs> <laughs> nothing outside of what I already know. I don't want to learn anything ever. That's what I want. I'm good. I'm fine. Do you know, my, my business partner, Kate, I've got two two female business partners, but my business partner, Kate, she is the queen of analogies and she can pop a new analogy out. Like literally she'll have a peanut butter sandwich and make it into an analogy. And we, we, had, a, we had a really impactful coaching call a little while ago and there was one person that gave us this feedback, like too many analogies, like you lost me right at the beginning. I couldn't follow anything. Everybody else in the call was like, amazing. Oh my God, I understood it for the first time in my life. And this person's like, nope. <laughs> Get rid of the analogies. <laughs> like, I don't understand what peanut brittle has to do with my effort at work. Right? <laughs> yeah, love an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so that, that is probably something we can touch on before we uh, finish off. Because again, I do. It's funny how it's all. Yeah, it's it's all vastly connected. I guess all this stuff. Because I think when you're doing stuff on your own, like you were doing for so long. Firstly, there is the uh, act of putting yourself out there, which is deeply intertwined with social media in that sense. And then obviously uh, from there, the journey you've gone on and ending up here at this coaching new business of yours. So do you want to actually talk about that a bit, the new business you have? Well, actually it's funny because I, so one of my business partners, Georgia, her and I and another business partner, Liz, the three of us had this event called the Travel Boot Camp. And it was super related to the influencer work. We had this, in fact, it was Georgia's idea. Georgia was a travel writer, travel editor. Liz is a very well-known New Zealand blogger. And Georgia was like, let's, you know, get together an influencer, a blogger and a journalist and teach people how to get paid to travel. And we were like, fuck yeah, awesome idea. So we had been running that since I think 2016, 2017. And it was a side hustle. Like it's just another one of the many things that I did that caused me to nearly burn out every year. (laughs) And because I knew I was pregnant uh, towards the end of 2019, um, we, we exited Liz from the business and that was a mutual decision. You know, Liz, Liz also wanted to focus on other things. And Georgia and I were like, right, travel boot camp. This is fucking it, baby. Like we are focusing on this. We're going to make a million dollars next year. Like let's put together our business plan. We're going to have this epic event. Like we had just run an event in Queenstown that had like National Geographic and like Vogue Australia and all of these amazing brands. It was our biggest, most successful event. And we were like, fuck yeah, let's smash the travel boot camp. That's the thing we're going to do. And of course, just Georgia and I, the two of us, Liz had been exited. And yeah, we, we literally sat down and wrote this million dollar business plan. And we, <laughs> it was all centered around one flagship event, uh, some online courses around travel and getting paid to travel, uh, some, you know, sponsorships, travel, travel sponsors for the event and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff related to the physical event. And then of course, you know, I had the baby and we were plugging away and we had this event and selling tickets and then COVID. So <laughs> we, you know, the travel boot camp was the thing. The thing that I've always loved about the travel boot camp is that I love impacting people and nothing impacts people more than actually seeing you in person like feeling the passion in the room and the like the the belief that anything is possible for me like I was a fucking chef I was earning $700 a week I was a yes I was not even a career chef I was just slapping pasta into bowls at an Italian restaurant like for me to have gone from that to making multiple six figures as a travel influencer and being in media publications around the world like featured by 60 minutes like we were selling hope and I loved that feeling I love to have people in the room like holy shit like the thing that I'm learning here could change my life and yet on the same side, we also knew that we were moving away from travel. You know, we we love travel, but 
yeah, it, it, it wasn't the passion point for us that it had been. So COVID happened and what a timely intervention. Um, our, our ex-business coach, Kate, uh, who was actually our business coach when we exited the business with Liz and that all changed, she reached out. Uh, she, she was a business or is a business mindset coach and said, let's put something together. Let's, you know, people are suffering. It's COVID. Like people don't know what to do next. Everybody's at home on their computers. Like let's put together a course or an event or something really awesome that, that can help people and, you know, maybe get, help them to get some more certainty around their future. So we put together this event called Basecamp. Uh, and it was a like a four or five hour virtual thing around building your social media audience, which of course is something that you can do before you become an influencer. Uh, and we sold a six week program off the back of that. And it was so successful. And we loved the experience of working together so much that we started collaborating on other projects. And we kind of got to the end of 2020 and we'd made a million dollars. <laughs> we fucking did it. <laughs> Not the way that we thought we did. Uh, it was actually around 1.5 between the three of us. We were still separate businesses at the time um, and had amazing impact. Like money is just impact for me. Like cool to have the money. It all went back in the business. And we were like, we really enjoy working with each other. And also we've, we've outgrown travel. Actually, what we want to teach is business. So Kate decided to, well, we all decided to merge together into a new business entity uh, called Phoenix. And we sell, again, like still events and programs, but more around business and not just business, but the freedom and money that can go with a good business, not the, you know, prison and like lack of freedom, the, the whole like, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you get to choose which 24 hours a day that you work, you know, that old fucking hustle and grind sort of sort of style of business that we're shown in the media. So, yeah, we, we merged forces and this has been our first year in business. We've had another seven-figure year. Uh, we have amazing, amazing people in our community. A lot of people from the Travel Boot Camp did follow us through, but we're also starting to attract other incredible business owners, um, predominantly women, <laughs> obviously, because we're all women. Yeah. And, you know, we teach brand and community and sales effectively and mindset, like heaps and heaps of mindset shit. Like it doesn't matter where you're at in business mindset and what shit, you need yeah. to. Well, it's <laughs> mindset shit. Yeah. yeah. Once once you've been through that journey, I think you could, there's a little bit of like, yeah, yeah you no, can bring a little right, bit no, of laughter to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like the funny thing about business is like you might think that you need to learn the hard skill of sales but actually behind learning the hard skill is all of this like how can I charge that am I worthy and people will people think that I'm a fake and, and not want to pay me for this thing so there's always mindset behind every single thing that you do in business whether it's being visible on social media it's like a vulnerability piece I'm not good enough whether it's strategy like I don't know if I can set this goal because I don't think that I'm good enough like there's always this like underlying Thing, because business in itself is actually really easy. Like you can go out there and learn marketing, you can learn sales, you can learn strategic planning, like all of these different pillars that help you to have a successful business. You can get on YouTube and Google. It's always the mindset that holds you back. So yeah, we, we teach the mindset and the soft skills in conjunction with the hard skills and our areas of expertise are, you know, obviously social media and community and Georgia um, being like the brand person. She's the ex-editor uh, at large for Virgin Australia, one of the youngest magazine editors in Australia, like absolutely phenomenal at, has worked with some of the biggest brands in Australia and the world. And Kate's like this total mindset sales gun like she's a world-class salesperson, which is super rare in a female uh, and also somebody that teaches it. Like a lot of people are quite secretive as to sales methods and, and Kate teaches it and it's, it's very empowering. 
Like it's actually super cool to sit there and watch Kate talk about making money and like money being awesome. And yeah, people find it quite confronting at times because it's, it doesn't happen. You don't see it. Yeah. It's like they've, they're used to Gordon Gecko doing it in wall street in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not a little petite Canadian <laughs> X, X mindset. Well, still mindset coach, but. Yeah, an interesting side fact, Kate was on the Canadian Bachelor. She'll hate me for saying that. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very interesting group around, of yeah. women. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so uh, on that, like, just because I, I, you guys, you seem to stand, honestly, from your history as well as then your business and the partners you have there as an example of this done right and the positives that it can do in terms of, like, this business coaching and all this stuff. Because I know, I'm sure, as you're well aware, um, and I've got, I've seen people in it where it's like, you see the dark side of that very easily. Like as in the piss taking people like these business coaches, they're just like selling another. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So I guess, uh, that's why I actually wanted to bring this up because I know people would listen to you now and have these same issues, I guess. So what do you say to that when people like, it's very easy to, again, like I've been saying this whole time, same thing with social media, same with this. It's very easy to put into a monolith one thing and it's like, that's all bullshit. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's why yeah. I, I want to bring this up to then have you respond to it as I assume people would probably have a version of saying that. So I guess, how do you separate out the baloney from the actual tangible, useful things? And like, yeah. Do you have anything we, to say? <laughs> we joke about coaches all the time. Like Kate actually takes screenshots of every single coach that slides into her DMs with some like totally inappropriate like offer before they even know who she is and what her pain points are and what her business is. Yeah, like to be honest, I I never ever considered working with a coach. I certainly like some of my stories and and the things that I thought about myself was that I had to figure it all out for myself and it was like a weakness to ask for help. And, you know, I really prided myself on being the person that helped others and never received any help. It was like a, yeah, a, a source of pride, I guess, for me. And Georgia and I and Liz, when she was still in the business, we were working with a guy called Dan. Uh, he's got a company called Passion.io in Germany. I had actually put together an online photography course with Passion and it was a collaboration. You know, I'd, I'd produce the course. They helped me to sell and market it. And at the time that company was starting to pivot and do some one-on-one coaching, like help help influential, and influential people have impact. And they pitched us and it was, oh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 24,000 US which was a sum of money that we we actually didn't have in the travel boot camp as a business. But Georgia, Liz and I were all successful in our own right and our own businesses. And we agreed to put that money in from our personal businesses to learn more about marketing. <laughs> and through what we learned from Dan and Passion.io, we put together a, a new version of our website and we started learning about things like, you know, customer avatars and, and funnels and, you know, objection handling and pain points and, you know, all, the, all of the standard marketing stuff. And holy shit, it changed our business so quickly. We ended up launching a program, which was awesome. Like everything that we do has value. Like obviously most of our clients come back and and keep working with us. Um, But we sold a program towards the end of that coaching agreement uh, and we made $150,000 in a couple of days just through selling that program. Uh, Interestingly, around the same time, we met Kate, um, who is now our business partner. And uh, we met Kate just at a random like women in tourism event that Georgia and I had attended. And we we loved what she was teaching around just communication and mindset. And we knew between the three of us, Liz and Georgia and I, like we were constantly triggered and reactive and fighting and not seeing eye to eye. And like business was an absolute hassle 
because we, yeah, we just, we'd never had business partners before. We were all lone wolves in the entrepreneurial space. And not too long after we'd sort of signed away 24,000 US dollars, might I add, to Passion.io, Kate came and did a couple of days of work with us. And we were like, holy shit, like we literally cannot continue growing this business without this sort of work. And I can't remember how much her package was. It was between thirty and forty thousand to do an eight month contract, eight month contract with us, and that kind of lined up loosely with the same passion um, coaching ending. And that was the time when we first collaborated with Kate and Liz decided to exit the business, and we had all these big like breakthroughs and revelations, and and the way that we wanted to show up in the world and do business. And yeah, we we sank that year. Yeah, it was like sixty or seventy thousand Australian dollars, and made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from this one offering alone. And I had this very clear fucking awakening of like, oh, if you don't know something, you don't know how to do it. And if you hire somebody that does know this thing, they can teach you how to do it, and you don't have to go and sift through all of this other information. And I was fucking converted, right? Like, holy, I we throw money at coaches like it's going out of fashion. We this year alone, we are working with three different coaches. And I have my own mindset coach. So I work with a mindset coach. She's $500 a session. We've sank, you know, 80, I'd say 80 to $100,000 into coaching this year. We're working with a sales coach, a marketing coach, and just a general strategic like business coach as well. Like business coaching will get you where you cannot get yourself. And you want to work with people who fucking obviously are succeeding and know what they're talking about. You know, you don't want to work with some bum who's like DMing you on Instagram and being like, hello, I am a coach. You want to see that they're succeeding. You want to see that they're living the life that you want. You want to see that they have what you don't have. You know, you want to be really super clear that you're the right fit and not everybody's the right fit for us. And we don't sell people who aren't the right fit for us. Like we've got a lot of integrity around sales. And yeah, like I'm just a huge fan. If you're a business owner and you don't have a coach, like you are absolutely doing yourself a disservice because it will teach you the things that you need to know to have a better, more scalable business and more money and more freedom and and actually fucking enjoy your life because that's what we get into business for. It's not supposed to be hard. Mm. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's the classic mentors uh, renowned as always being the best for everything. So it makes perfect sense. If you can get them, why not? Yes. Um, Okay, I think we've uh, jumped around quite a bit. I think it was loosely connected. We've <laughs> we could go for ages, to be honest, but uh, we should stop it there. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, is there anything you want to shout out for anyone? Anything you want to mention before we close off? I don't know. Like usually, when I do podcasts, there's like some specific thing that I teach to like give people an easy win and. I don't know if we've covered that, but I guess I would just say, like, especially around the social media piece, like, just always frame it as what value am I giving? Not like talking about myself or, you know, trying to sell my thing or, or prove my thing or show my thing. But yeah, like who's who's actually listening? Who's watching? Even when I'm doing a self-indulgent Instagram story, you know, I did one recently about roller skating because, you know, roller skating's cool again and I'm fucking awesome at it. Um, so of course, like the ego wanted to, to have a little <laughs> moment, but like I made it, I made day, it. You're like, yeah, it's back. I was the OG roller skater. Like I was the best in my rink when I was younger. But anyway, not important. <laughs> I did. Uh, the, the Instagram story that I did, I made a teachable moment in the Instagram story. And it was around like, what is the thing that gives you joy and makes you feel like the most you version of yourself? And why aren't you doing that? 
Like when I roller skate, the smile on my face, it's like ear to ear. Like I'm just so fucking happy. And yet I go for days and weeks and months without strapping my skates on. Like why? It's the thing that makes me feel like most in tune with who I am. So I made a teachable moment in it and I gave people a chance to engage with the post. And yeah, it's just, it's always about trying to, trying to give people some kind of a value or just something, a recipe, a fucking laugh, uh, some information that they didn't otherwise have, a travel tip, like a photography tip. Like what, what do you have that people want to know and be generous because it comes back. It really does. Okay, well, look, you, you said you didn't come planning for a teachable moment, but it sounds like you managed to sneak one in at the end. So that's very nice. There you go. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Um, that was really fun. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed that too. No, Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sanspantsplus.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.